welcome to yet another episode of Punditry on a Pint with uh, the greatest host of all time, Vaishnav Setlo, who just spent a couple of minutes eating an orange and is now completely winging this introduction. <laughs> Self-declared greatest host of all time. <laughs> Uh, today we have uh, with us, uh, I mean, Akshat and Po, obviously, because if Amar is here, he's probably taking hosting duties straight from me, let's be honest. And today is sort of um, a reactionary pod, I guess, more topical, like we try to keep ourselves doing, you know, staying abreast with sort of what is happening in the footballing world. And we're talking about, oh, I mean, what every football fan right now is talking about, which is the proposed and accepted, keyword being accepted. Uh, takeover of Newcastle United Football Club by the PIF and uh, I think in another investment banking company in the U. Couple more in the UK. Uh, one is like a couple brothers based in Newcastle. So I mean, I guess that's sort of nice. But let's just get straight into it, guys. Uh, po, what do you sort of uh, wh- first couple words that this sort of you know made you feel? Wh- uh, give me adjectives. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I will give Po 500 points for honesty right there, man. Gryffindor, 500 points for honesty. I, I, I love it. Like, the first reaction when, you know, those uh, memes were floating around with uh, comparisons of all the money each owner has and the richer owners. And then there's, like, the the new Saudi owners for Newcastle and they're, like, 20, 30 times richer than Man City owners. And when I saw that figure, I don't know how true that like those figures were, but I was like, damn, son, I need that kind of money injected into my club as well. Right? It's like it's like after a point when you start seeing commas and zeros on checks and on account balances, you're like, bro, numbers are just a construct of human imagination. <laughs> what is money? <laughs> Akshat, same question to you. Sort of oh, first a couple of adjectives, words, emotions at this whole story. I mean, from beginning to end, yeah? So, like, how it failed and they constantly were saying certain stuff to them to now. I think today is the 9th of October in the US. Uh, we're, we're recording right now. Two of us are in the US. So, for all purposes, this is an American podcast. <laughs> but I think the takeover uh, was accepted, what, on the 7th or the 6th? No, I think it was 8th. It was on the 8th. Oh, Okay, okay. So, like, literally, like, a day ago. I mean, okay, coming to what I feel about it, I think the the first time the the takeover bid failed, I guess I was relieved. Um, And I'm not going to sit here on a high horse and and, and say that I was relieved for humanitarian reasons. Um, (laughs) I was was relieved because, you know, United was struggling and... and Bunch of petty assholes on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, now that it's gone through, I think I'm uncomfortable, if that's the best word to use. I'm, I'm slightly uncomfortable with with what has happened over here. Um, and we, I think we're going to get into... Uh, we, we've kind of skirted around the issue of sports washing on this podcast a lot. I mean, we bring it up and then we say it'll open a huge can of worms. We don't get into. But I think this is the episode we are probably going to get you know deep into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if not now, then when, right? <laughs> yeah, but but for me, it's just see, it's it's weird. Okay, You're seeing true-blooded Geordies out on the streets waving around Saudi Arabian flags, celebrating <laughs> investment of of a dictator, more or less, who's who's has a 
very dubious human rights record in his country and yes he's trying to push this image of a more progressive um ruler in the middle east but there's always a narrative and the truth right and so far the narrative has been pushed to us through various means politically but the truth or what we're seeing on ground is totally different so the fact that and here's the thing i mean i i can't blame newcastle fans for being happy what are they supposed to feel sad about it are they supposed to not celebrate the fact that they've had shit owners uh, a shit owner i should say for a, more than a decade and and now they have the richest owners in football what are, are they supposed to be sad about it no they, they, of course they're going to be happy of course they're going to be celebrate but the richest owners in sport i mean <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i mean i can't blame them but i i at the same time the implication of what this means um for the world in general i guess is is kind of sad uh, it's it's uncomfortable i'm just uncomfortable with it you know um i just got to say i i i'm i'm assuming the listeners have noticed at this point i asked poor and akshat give me a word give me an adjective <laughs> give me an emotion and they both went into nuanced explanations on how they feel which is i think that is a perfect way to describe this cuz there is no one word right there is no i i, I this is what i feel this is what's going to happen and it's very like po and you and i also feel you know the sort of fucking jealousy right cuz i want haland and mbappe next season No, I I just want him. <laughs> like and at the end of the day if you get to sort of play fantasy football in your head with the team's prospects that are like realistically possible to happen, I think that's probably the most fun a fan will ever have in a sort of sports fa- fandom career if that's even a word or term. But okay, let's get straight into it. So do we how do you guys want to proceed because uh, I'm sure the listeners know at this point we don't really structure our podcasts. Uh, we aren't that professional. We just bring you cutting-edge content. <laughs> um, I I thought I'd, I'd start a bit by um, talking about the takeover and, and what exactly happened over yeah, the course. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So so basically, this takeover uh, currently Newcastle was owned by uh, Mike Ashley. Um, this takeover has been many years in the making, and basically, as Vaishnav said, there are three bodies who are part of this takeover. So. Um, now uh, 80% of newcastle will be owned by the pif or the public investment fund which is basically the investment body of the royal family of saudi arabia and of course since it's the royal family of saudi arabia they are insanely rich so their estimated value is said to be about 700 billion and the fund itself is supposed to have around 500 billion worth of um assets right um and all of a lot of these assets is liquid cash flow so they will spend they have money to spend and they will spend now interestingly this group has also invested and it also has stake in groups like uh, disney like facebook like uber uh, but i mean just to sort of clarify for our listeners the pif is like it's a it's a sovereign wealth fund basically yeah. and all countries have a sovereign wealth fund it's sort yeah. of how they grow equity for their like gdp and stuff but this is sort of different cuz like you said it's not a uh, democratically sort of run sovereign wealth fund wherein it is put into sort of very low risk but high yield equity like you said 
things like Disney over the past 150 years have been super low risk but high yield because it's the entertainment industry. The same can be said for like oil and natural gas reserves, manufacturing, uh, citizens of countries like Norway have stake in I think Tesla and all these new age, you know, cutting edge tech companies. So this is not a new thing for countries to do by no stretch of the imagination but like Akshat very nicely pointed out the key sort of terminology here is that it's essentially an oligarch's fund even though it's technically got the names of every single citizen in Saudi Arabia on it. it yeah, there's nothing really public about it. Exactly. And the way it's sort of that they can spend the liquidity that you talked about, that's another great thing to bring up because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no veto power that anybody has <laughs> over the spending of that fund. But sorry, go ahead. Right. Um, so, so, so that's that's uh, that's the majority ownership. Eighty percent of the ownership is going to lie with that public investment fund. Uh, number two, ten percent of it is going to be with uh, PCP Capital Investment. It's an investment firm based out of UK, and um, basically, this um, uh, Amanda Stavely, who is uh, a British businesswoman who runs that fund, um, is actually the key broker who got this deal done. Now, Amanda Stavely is a very interesting character because she is known as the person who brings Middle Eastern investments to the world. That is literally her MO. That is what her investment firm does. She handles extremely complicated deals when all of these public investment funds, not just from um, Saudi Arabia, but from other, uh, uh, for, for example, Sheikh Mansoor, when he completed the takeover of Manchester City. She was actually a key broker in, in that as well. That's fascinating. So so this time she's actually, uh, or her fund, or her um, in, investment company, whatever you want to call it, uh, owns is now given 10% ownership of the club as well. So uh, she's actually one of the most visible figures in this whole takeover deal, where obviously the royal family of Saudi Arabia has stayed in the background for political reasons, right? They, it's not like a Sheikh Mansoor situation where they can just come out and say that here we're coming to buy the club. There's a lot of diplomatic tension which didn't allow them to do that. So she has actually been the face of the deal per se. And probably, like, sorry to cut you off, like, pro- she's, like, since yesterday, since that takeover happened, she's been, like, seen everywhere in the public, like, uh, all over the media. Like, probably in the future as well, she'll be the person who is the face of it, as you guys say, like, I don't think you'll find like a delegated person appointed from Saudi Arabia like Sheikh Mansoor or in like in the club or uh, taking care of the day-to-day activities. Probably she'll be the one who takes care of it uh, on behest of PIF. I don't know if she will though because I don't know that expertise is there. But you're right, it'll probably be like sort of a delegation on her side as opposed to on the Saudi Arabian side. Because you guys are right, I'm sure they want to distance themselves, which is sort of ironic given the goal of sports washing. <laughs> but I guess we can get deeper into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the final the final um, owners, ten percent ownership stake will be held by uh, the Rubin brothers, from, which are uh, English businessmen, as uh, Vaishnav pointed out. And I, I think I think they're based in Newcastle as well. So at least they've got some. I don't know if they're local, I don't know if they're Geordie, but I, I'm pretty sure they have some sort of, you know, market presence in Newcastle and like have roots, I guess, because that's what I read somewhere. I could be wrong. Maybe. I, I, I'm not too sure about that. I, I don't really know much about them. Um, but yeah, they, they're, they're also part of this deal, the way it was structured. Um, so uh, again, I think how this deal happened, uh, just a little bit more background into that. This has been about four years in the making and seriously about two years in the making 
um, this uh, deal where uh, Saudi Arabia was looking to um, invest in a football club and they made it very clear that they want to invest in the Premier League because they see Premier League as the premier competition, football sporting competition in the world. And um, that's where they want it to be because they don't want to do like a PSG where they're struggling for even today with the com- amount of players they have, they're still struggling to be taken seriously in the world of football, right? As in terms of like being the biggest club in the world, nobody will ever call PSG that. Whereas um, in the Premier League, if you buy a club, you obviously have a, a much bigger um, a opportunity to do that. So uh, Newcastle, of course, was was one of the targets. Uh, it's uh, one of those clubs which has a sporting history. It ha- already has an incredible stadium. It has a very loyal fan base, which is what attracted the uh, owners to the club. Um, now, why did the takeover fail? Because a lot of people are kind of um, struggling to understand that it why this takeover was successful now but not before and the reason the takeover didn't happen before what there were two main reasons right um number one being that um the broadcasting rights of the premier league in the middle east is controlled by a group called the called be in media right that is where that is the the broadcasting part of the middle east and be in is a qatari company now, um, without getting too much into history, but Qatar and Saudi Arabia, let's just say they don't like each other. They, okay? they, they, they don't. <laughs> they don't like each other. Some cutting edge political <laughs> an- analysis on this podcast. Love it. Gotta love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> just take my word for it. <laughs> Google it if you want to, but they don't. <laughs> I, I believe you, Akshat. I believe you. <laughs> um, so... So, Saudi Arabia, basically, what they did, and this is the government doing this. This is not some rogue group doing it, right? They basically blocked B-In from broadcasting in their country and set up their own government-funded piracy service called... Tell them what it's called. Tell them what it's called, Akshay. This can... Yeah, like, just see how subtle they are. It's called B-Out-Q. Q meaning Qatar. So... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they don't they don't like each other, as I said. <laughs> they used to basically stream the Premier League illegally through BOutQ, and that's how people in Saudi Arabia used to watch the the Premier League uh, in their country. And obviously, the Premier League cannot be seen doing business with a group which is actively pirating their own yeah pirating their own product, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so that was issue number one, um, which which stopped the takeover from happening, and that they couldn't get past that hurdle with the Premier League. And uh, number two was the fact that everyone in UK, the Parliament included, and a lot of the general public as well, were very, very, very uncomfortable with the fact that basically the royal family um, or uh, the okay, let's just say the royal family is going to have a stake in a, a football club. Now, why didn't they raise this voice when uh, Sheikh Mansoor did it? It's simply because the political pressure or the atmosphere surrounding Saudi Arabia is a lot more negative, I would say, than uh, Abu Dhabi at this point of time. Um, and uh, now and two years back, I think two years back when the um, the news came out of, you know, the unfortunate murder of, of the uh, journalist Jamal Khashoggi, um, that also kind of added to the whole uh, anger against Saudi Arabia at the time. And there was no way 
the uh, Premier League could, in good conscience, at that time, uh, agree to that kind of a deal. There was just there was going to be too much political and public backlash. But, that, that, but that, again, that's the key terminology, right? In that time, because I mean, <laughs> kick the can down the road. Right, right. So, so in the fast forward to today, how have these two issues been solved? Uh, number one is that due to um, various arb- arbitration and legal arguments and uh, some settlements. Saudi Arabia has now finally allowed the broadcasting of BN. It's it's no longer mm. blocked, and they have I don't know officially or semi-officially shut down B out Q. Um, <laughs> so right now BN is the official broadcaster. It always was the official broadcaster, but right now it is the um, official broadcaster and is broadcasting in um, Saudi Arabia. That's that's again such a funny sort of statement to say they are the official broadcaster and yeah they are able to broadcast in the kingdom of Saudi <laughs> yeah. Arabia. Yeah, they can actually do it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that's hurdle number one removed, and that was I think the Premier League's biggest problem because a hundred percent they they need they can't have the value of their broadcasting deals being brought down. Um, in 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 any region of the world, right? So so that's the first problem solved. And there's also a thing to be said about sort of uh, the stake that BN just generally has within sort of Premier League and the backdoor executive sort of world because of how big a market the Middle East is, and how badly, like you said, their product is being hampered directly by what is a proposed stakeholder. So like. That's like such a, you know, not even a conflict of interest at that point. That's just like negative press and negative impact for you. So yeah, you're completely right in saying that in terms of the, that being the biggest hurdle. But I'm sorry I cut you off before you went to your second point. <laughs> no, head. Uh, no, you, that was actually uh, uh, an important point. The second point is that um, the, the Premier League basically came out and said that they have now passed the... Premier League fit and proper owners and directors test. Uh, after they have received several assurances legally stating that the royal family is not going to be directly involved in the football club and that the fact that it's a public investment fund which is investing in the football club is a separation enough from the royal family that they are not seen as the owners, but basically it is the investment group which is seen as the owner, and thus they can now pass the test. So their main concern basically was that royal family shouldn't own this club, and now they're saying that okay, royal family has given us guarantees that they're not going to be involved in running of the club, so we're allowing it. That that is what they have said. So because these two biggest blockers to the deal have been removed, the deal has gone through. I mean, I, I mean, let's be honest. The biggest blocker to the deal is be out Q, and I, I genuinely don't think. Anything else matter? I can't stop laughing at that name, man. <laughs> Aren't you absolutely like? Isn't that absolutely the most fun thing you heard today? Be out, be out, Q. I mean, you. I. I want that intern. I want to see his like pay slip the next month. You know, I want to see that one dude in the meeting who's like, sir, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that moment changed his life, <laughs> but yeah, I mean uh, that's uh, Akshat. Thank you for putting it into such you know sort of uh, such a good chronological you know breakdown of the events that led to this point. But I think it's also we have sort of you know uh, when uh, one thing that what you said sort of struck me was there was no this for, this for all wasn't there when City was taken over essentially. And I think that's also because of how now it's more common in football to have these oligarchs and these massive fucking geopolitical bodies owning 
a sports entity, which is so weird to say, that I think the public are starting to get a little more, I mean, it's starting to become a little more caustic as a relationship because more and more people are not talking about it. When City were bought, it was more of like, you know, almost a vanity thing that, oh shit, they're so rich now, they can do whatever they want. But now the whole issue of having this almost unlimited wealth packing, even though there's in extremely hardcore air quotes, financial fair play, having an unlimited piggy bank is having an unlimited piggy bank i mean you can structure the way i spend it but i can still spend as much as i want i mean till the end of fucking time and that's something important that's to be said now i just wanted to so i mean being a lawyer looking at these things sometimes you have super tinted glasses because i want to know what you guys think about another thing which is why do you, I mean, we, we're all talking about, you know, there should be fair competition, there shouldn't be, uh, you know, you shouldn't be able to buy, a, buy yourself a title, but I mean, that's typically what happens. So do you guys sort of have an opinion on if it's fair at all to even stop them from coming, that they shouldn't have ever been stopped and that capitalism is capitalism and money is money and everyone has the right to free market and free trade and free plying of their employment. So why are we having this sort of it is arbitrary, the stance that we're taking, because it's not what we're saying it is, right? It's definitely not what we're saying it is. No one is doing this. I remember when, I think in April or March, like we were talking before this, when it was also sort of building up steam, the whole takeover, and the Premier League were doing the Rainbow Laces campaign, which is for the LGBTQ plus community. And I was seeing so much online about how, you know, this Newcastle proposed Saudi takeover bit. And this PR campaign by the Premier League where they're trying to voice, you know, gay rights and, you know, whatever, uh, LGBTQ plus rights. And you're just like, you know, that's so much at odds with each other. So I feel like six months, four months, five months later, how much could have changed politically in what you are determining as, you know, good or bad for you that you can let them in? So I think I think it's fair to say that we can come to the conclusion that this is only a an intellectual property, piracy, and a product issue wherein they were exploiting their product in a way that they, they didn't want. But do you guys feel that we should get rid of this whole, you know, fit and proper owner's test? Because, I mean, let's face it, we're not, this isn't a fit and proper owner's test, right? I, that's not what we're doing. Open it. Open the whole thing up. Like, let whoever wants to come in and invest, let them come and invest. Like, like there's no stopping it anyway. Like, if they have, to, if they want to do it, they'll do hmm. it anyway. So just be open hmm. about it. Let like let all these big money come like big money investors come in, but then put proper regulations in place. Like don't what happens don't when North Korea wants a club? <laughs> okay, I, I you left me speechless <laughs> there. <man. laughs> I don't like I didn't know what to say. But then okay, like just not North Korea is not part of this whole world that we're speaking of because it's an isolated country all by itself. So let it be. Keeping North Korea aside, I mean, <laughs> if we start breaking up, statement, that that statement is not something you expected to say. Signing on to this podcast today, <laughs> keeping North Korea aside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, keeping North Korea aside, why not just crack this farce of a rule of FFP and like everyone knows that it's bullshit at this point. Like there are regulations in place, but then no one like. There are always loopholes to go around it. We all know what City mm-hmm. used to do, like what City did with it, what others have done with it as well, like even PSG. But put proper regulations in place, open the open the market up to anyone who wants to invest it. 
that's that's i mean i like i like the balance approach that you have in terms of let people get into the market but regulate them when they're in the market so i have something to say following up that but i want to get akshat into it because i'm sure he has something to say about this so what do you think bro i mean we're having this conversation too late i mean yeah that it's done <laughs> yeah like what what owners have you stopped from getting in i mean honestly like True. which investment has been stopped you've got mm. Roman Abramovich you've got Sheikh Mansoor you've got now Mohammed bin and and none of our american owners are like rosy as well even they're fucked up in their own sense as well like so absolutely you're you're absolutely right there's a lot of hypocrisy over there i think there are different issues at play but yeah they this they are not fit in proper owners in their right <laughs> as well right so uh, yeah i mean i i just feel like um there's always going to be a certain level of hypocrisy and i i don't get why we're thinking that this is like a football problem i mean like i said this group has invested in facebook and uber are we are we morally going to take a stance against facebook and uber now is that the way it works no i mean we are living in a world where money talks and people are free to invest their money wherever they want and you're free to i guess ignore it or to uh, campaign against it as much as you want but that's yeah. not going to stop them from buying it right yep do with it what you will i mean doesn't matter to them exactly it's not ideal but that's just the way the world works and i i don't agree with the stance that oh we have to keep our clubs we have to keep our football free we have to keep... no it's it's everywhere it's not just football right now yeah um and don't don't bring your rage to uh, at newcastle because this has happened to them uh that i think that had to be said i think that is a great point that is something which we should take away from this yeah yeah like like come on like what what are you doing i uh, you you have a huge problem with oh how can they come over and take a premier league and own a premier league club and all that where where were these voices when qatar won the world cup bid right they have a much more dubious human rights record than saudi arabia ever had and amen and mm-hmm. you know we we are rewarding them with the world cup with insane amounts of revenue which they're going to get um that that was the time i think if if we had to raise our voices if it is a humanitarian issue that is when you raise your voice doing it right now you're 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 just doing it because newcastle are a richer club than you are so i i can't so i i, I when i'm being petty about it when i'm saying i didn't want it i i'm being clear in my mind i'm i'm saying this as a united fan and as yeah. a football fan if you understand the inherent bias that is you know sort of guiding that decision and i think that's yeah. that's some good self awareness you know you should you, you have to sort of identify with the overall aspect of i mean what are you going to do about it and like you said you know you, you also have your own inherent biases like bro i want haland you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. completely that 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 i think is fair to say but sort of to extrapolate from what he just talked about post said uh, what i thought is a super balance and i think this is what most of us will come to if we have a really intellectual conversation about this is let anyone into the market because you're not i mean we aren't doing anything good by keeping anyone else out of the market you said that saudi arabia had you know like i said about rainbow laces all sorts of contrarian opinions as to what we think is good law or good rule or whatever right but you let them in anyway so i mean exactly like you said if you're letting in qatar if you're letting in all these stakeholders who themselves the american owners like po said if you have that amount of equity to spend chances are you've not i mean you're not like <laughs> you get what i'm saying you have to have some skeletons in your closet i guess when you're multi billionaires you know you you can't do everything the rosy way and i mean that's a real reality of life and 
completely agree with what you guys said in terms of that and the ethos behind it. But as a regulation to market, I, I don't want this to get too technical for anybody, but how do you justify having regulations within the market and free entry into the market? Because for me, those two, if you really extrapolate to the absolute laissez-faire full extent, they can't coexist because I'm sure you can see that uh, any regulations are an inherent barrier to trade, right? Because if you tell me I can or can't do something that is regulating my trade, which you shouldn't be able to do. We don't allow that in many industries. But like Akshat said, you, you do allow it in some industries. You allow it in industries where it matters. You allow it in securities exchange. You can't fuck around there. <laughs> That's the world's market. So, I mean, how do we sort of balance that out? Because we've seen our regulations don't work. We've seen financial fair play doesn't work. Like, let's be completely black and white about it. It doesn't work. Now, that's not to say that it's a bad sort of experiment or it's a bad mechanism to have in place anyway. But does it really, is it doing what it's supposed to do? I would say, yeah, to a very large extent. But what we are seeing in terms of the Man Cities and the Newcastles, the PSGs, I can't believe Newcastle is one of them now, but the new money clubs, I think it's a little blatant to us, right, that they're able to sort of do whatever they want. So my question to you is, I mean, I'm rephrasing it every couple of seconds, but how do you think this sort of regulation applies to these top big money, huge clubs versus the Berries, the Boltons, the Blackburns, the Portsmouths who are, you know, uh, Burry wound up, but the other clubs went into administration, came back up and stuff like that. You know, how do you, because you can't evenly apply that, right? So I don't know what you guys think about it. I hope I sort of explained myself well enough that you guys got what I was saying, but uh, I don't know if you guys have any opinions on that sort of aspect of how you treat these owners when they're in versus them coming in. It's true what you said though, because it's not an easy solution to come up instant, like instantaneously about like trying to find a proper regulation. No, so no, that, of course. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that I can't come up with an answer, but like definitely I can't come up with an answer. By the way, <laughs> but the regulations I was referring to was these clubs not just investing in it and then draining the club of its of the club like draining the resources of the club and then leaving it to like leaving it just like hanging and dry out there see but i mean just to sort of take from that what you just said both of our clubs the glazers and stan Kroenke, by all sort of stretches of imagination through the again within really hard quotes fit and proper owners test they came in they passed with flying colors they're fucking yanks man they're gonna the fucking they're going back to the their homeland they want to make some money but have they been fit and proper owners for either of us uh nah i wouldn't say so Right? Exactly. And I think 99.99% of both our fan bases will say the same thing, right? That, you know, we were better off without these guys. But then how do you balance that? How do you compare that sort of exploitation of the club? For example, like if you just take the Croenkis into, like, as an example, man moved the LA Rams from one place to another. I do not know the exact location, like the uh, shift in locations. I think it was St. Louis to LA. Yeah, he moved it from one place to another. And like, and it's not just him, you know, like he's married into one of the wealthiest families in in America, the Walmart. Like, I think Walmart, yeah. <laughs> and they are into loads of other kind of human rights, like shit with like low pay, low pay, uh, like daily wages and all that kind of shit. Like I, I don't know the exact details behind it, but 
but you can be sure that a company like Walmart has, I mean, like I said, got its fair share of skeletons, right? I mean, a hundred percent. So, I mean, even they are fucked up. It might just seem in comparison to what we're talking about in the Middle East, it might seem mm. much better, but then you can't call them saints at all. Completely agree. And definitely if you legitimately ran a fit and found like proper tests in them, they would they shouldn't pass. <laughs> the the issue is if we run a legitimate fit and proper owners test, do are any of our clubs you know <laughs> do any of our clubs have money at that point? <laughs> No, but that is the point. It's not just about any owner. It's about any company which is making a profit. Mm. You will find something wrong which they're doing, right? Like App- Apple is making their phones and underpaying workers in in a uh, lot of South Asian countries. Nike is doing it in in Pakistan, Bangladesh, very famously. I mean, it it's these are the biggest club no, clubs. I'm saying these are the biggest brands in the world. Just commercial entities. Yeah, and they have rabid following from people all over the world, right? So and does this matter to them? You know, it doesn't. That's the thing. So, 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 see, coming back to the fit and proper owners test, your question: um, Are we going to find a fit and proper owner test where we'll find an owner which is morally untouchable, like they are absolutely perfect? <laughs> no, but I think we need to take a look at what the fit and proper owners test is for. Um, the the reason for this test, I think, is not so much as to act as like the judge for a person's or or an owner's moral character. I th- I don't think that's what this test should be for. More than any other, okay. Why why is no one going to make noise about PIF investing in Facebook, investing in Uber, investing in wherever else they invested? Um, there's a fundamental difference between investing in a brand and a company, and investing in a football club and the reason and the biggest difference is that when you're investing in a football club you are investing in the emotional attachment and, and investment of a lot of people from that region yeah it's 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 like culture versus commodity right because exactly it's about a culture no you're absolutely right that's that's the word i was looking for you're, it's a culture which you're investing i mean that football club is part of the fans day to day lives right and for me the fit and proper owners test Ha- always has to be about protecting that culture and those fans rather than judging whether these guys are morally good or not right the fit and proper owners test should test number 1 whether the owners will have the the ability to invest regularly into a club and not just buy the club and let it stagnate and and, and um kind of keep that as their cash cow which they're milking off yeah. whether they will always have liquidity in investing into the club number one to make sure that the club's fine the club is protected the fans are protected that is what is important the fit and owners if fit and proper owners test i think we need to do away with you know all of these people who are coming out and saying that how can we go with these people who have on onerous human human right record and all that it's it's deplorable i agree but we are so far away from living in a world where we can say no to money mm. uh, no matter mm. how dirty that money is we that is a world issue. That is not a football issue. I mean, and, and trying to, I mean, people who are trying to say that a good owner's test should catch out this dirty money and not let it into our <laughs> world. I'm sorry. That is not the way the world works. So, so don't, don't try to give me that argument. I don't agree with it whatsoever. But for me, the important thing is that we don't have a Portsmouth. We don't have a Sunderland. Yeah. We don't have a Bury. Uh, Bury especially I mean they've gone into administration and their club is dead they're basically a phoenix club at this point right the, the original Bury is more or less dead 
that is what we need to protect against to make sure that the people who are supporting that club newcastle fans are happy today right they don't care for them the fit and proper owners test is a joke uh, in in the good sense like you know it's it's fine let these guys come in you ask bury and they they are actually going to tell you that we we do, we didn't have an owner an owner with like the terrible human rights record which some of these other owners have but they have been failed by the fit and proper owners test not newcastle right for me that is the most i think the financial security which the owners provide that is the thing which the premier league has to focus on all of this political nonsense i mean the uk government coming out and say what what absolute nonsense i mean what absolute nonsense this is the same uk government which a footballer has to campaign against for free meals for kids and they are the ones who are coming out and saying that we're we're you know um, the hypocrisy i'm sorry i'm i'm getting off track but just no, no, i, I don't get the hypocrisy i completely i completely empathize with that sort of uh, rant that you went on to in the end of it that hypocrisy can get anyone's blood to boil and i what i want the listeners to take away from that because i think that was very insightful in terms of how you want to bifurcate the application of this rule and there are two interpretations right exactly like you said fit and proper owner is he a nice guy <laughs> that's essentially <laughs> what one part is yeah that's essentially yeah. what one part is and i mean moralistic sort of adjudication trying to figure out if something is morally correct or wrong that depends on who you ask there is no there is no elemental or factorial sort of demarcation that you can make like a mathematical expression saying that this is there this is there this is there he's good it's not he buys me a beer he sits with me for biryani he's good you can't do that here right that that's not something that you can every fan is going to have a different opinion on that right especially i mean think of maybe british fans who have, who have family in saudi arabia they're not going to have as you know first of all the minority within the uk now they have essentially the fucking homeland buying maybe their club it's a saudi arabian jordi i don't know there might be five of them but they're probably there so when you think of that i mean deciding morality having this whole this is right that is wrong thing that just takes you nowhere and takes you down a rabbit hole i completely agree akshat because at the end of the day no money is white <laughs> you might not yeah. have avoided taxes but no money is white at the end of the day someone is getting fucked over and that's how the capitalist supply chain works and i think that's something that we should move forward with is culture is the is the club you don't want an owner to come in and leave it worse off than it was before he came in and i think that should be the only application of the fit and proper owners test the issue there is there is no barrier to entry right because then it's sort of a remedial way of looking at it as in oh shit he fucked up what do we do now because there's no way of tying an owner to spend money you can't i own the entity it's it's my business prerogative you can't tell me how to spend my money i mean and i would defend anyone's right to not and to spend their money because that is super personal liberty right you can't tell me to spend money i don't want to like <laughs> who the fuck are you guys you the premier league what is that so there's that angle to it and i think that becomes that opens an unnecessary can of worms and the last maybe we can end this episode with this what do you guys see this doing to the premier league as a whole and european football maybe to extrapolate from that how do you see this affecting it give me a hot take prediction on when and who newcastle buy first and uh, when they win the the first premier league title that they are so destined to win or i mean a hot take of them failing is that that's more clicks guys that works too i mean <laughs> this brings back harsh memories like the last time Um, a Middle Eastern-backed 
investment fund buying a Premier League club. That around that time, I mean, they went on a shopping raid like of my club. So like the Nazarees, the cliches, everyone, everyone, everyone just went. Like, I was wondering how this is going to tie into Arsenal, bro. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> po- po- for the listeners, can you give can you give a, uh, some examples of how Man City raided Arsenal when Sheikh Mansour came in? Can you give some names? <laughs> Nazarene, man. Like, Adebayor went there after a while. Like, but yeah, not directly. Bro, both the right-back and left-back at one point were Arsenal players, no? Bro, one yeah. window they bought Sanya, one window they got Clichy. <laughs> Just like, bro. Fuck them. But then, like, and unfortunately... It, uh, Kinda unfortunately, I mean, we've got a fresh crop of like Hayland boys right now, and I do not want. Oh, he's cursing his words right now. He's like, oh fuck, Smithrow, 25 million moved to Newcastle. I, oh, no. I do not want them like wearing the black and white kit of Newcastle like, just because they have new money there. But no, like jokes apart though. Po, I, I don't, I don't want to jinx this, Po, but didn't, uh, didn't this. So-called exodus of Arsenal players to Newcastle start even before the takeover with Joe Willock moving there. So I don't know if that's a sign or if that's a sign, but <laughs> you can. <laughs> okay, you were saying. Yeah, I mean, there was this. Uh, I found this really cool Twitter handle. Okay, uh, it's called Price of Football. So I just want to read out that tweet. Although, yeah. like, we know that Mike Ashley is like hugely unpopular, like, among the Jordy fans and like generally mm-hmm. like Premier League fans. So but then he's left Newcastle as a profitable club. In the last three years, the profit, like they have 38 million pounds profit. And if you factor in FFP and all that, uh, they have about they have about 50 million uh, to play with. And this means like taking into all those into considerations over a three-year period and everything. And allowing the FFP loss of uh, like due to COVID and all that shit in come into play, they have around 190 million plus to play with. So like now, now shoot your shots about like who they can buy with that kind of money. <laughs> and 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 Po, I think the the important thing is that um, I I don't know how reputable the sources are, but there are several. Um, pages who are now talking about them not even waiting till summer. Uh, they're waiting till January transfer window to start their spending. Name is being floated around. No fuck me. Yeah. So so like they, already there are there are talks of the French clubs especially being raided about Martial going to Newcastle. Lingard also is one who is being suspected to for a move. So um, yeah, I mean it's. The 190 million, the, the figure you're saying is right. Give me your, give me your, you know how City signed Robinho and apparently yeah, oh, he thought he was moving to, <laughs> apparently thought he was moving to Man United, but he got fucked over. I, I, I don't know how true that is, but I mean, it's believable. That doesn't work out in this context though, because like no one was Sunderland in the broader kind of like scheme of things though. True, true, true. True, true, true. Yeah. But okay, yeah. you guys have to give me your sort of Robinho first signing that Newcastle can do to make them up. Their first, first. Give me anyone. Not a sale, I want a signing. Even a manager. E- even a manager. Even a manager. Con- Conte. Oh, fuck. I'm saying it. I'm, I'm going all the way to Conte. In my opinion, one of the top three managers in the world. Akshat went first, he gets content. It's first come, first serve. Po cannot repeat. It has to be this typical big name signing who's well past this. Like, who's coming towards... No, it can be it, it can be any... 
And dude, Robinho was not well processed, Prime. He had a flop at Real Madrid, went to. It just has to be like that kind of a person, though. Like I feel. Okay, okay, you're saying for your pick. Yeah, like like a person who's like towards the end of his prime, like moving into the last few years of his contracts, and like like Schweinsteiger coming to United. I I I I want this pick. I want this pick, Po. You're you're getting me very excited. Hitting <laughs> like hitting like his last proper big payday. So like I don't know, like. Probably like a washed up Hazard or something like that. Who knows? No. Oh. Eden Hazard. He said Eden Hazard. Oh, 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 oh. That is spicy. No, no. It's it makes sense because Madrid want to make space for Mbappe. Yeah, yeah. And oh my Paul god, has, he's got that. Tadka, and Hazard bro. would love love going back to the Premier League as well. Shit, that is. And I just want to rub it like I just want to fuck Chelsea over. So bring it on. Bro, this guy, bro, this guy, bro. There's always a motive somewhere, huh? There's always a small motive with Po. He's like one of these fucking oligarchs. Okay, Vaishnav, Vaishnav, you have to give your pick now. And after that, I'm teeing you up. I know you've been dying to speak about sports washing in <laughs> in our podcast for a very long time. Do we get give to give me go? a pick? No, you you get to go, go crazy. Oh, I'm loving go it. crazy. <laughs> But give me a wait, wait. I, I I cut you off before you finished asking what you were going to ask. You said give oh give me your pick for the player and then talk about yeah. Okay. yeah. My uh, see this is the issue right when you're hosting you don't think of your own pick. <laughs> but uh, I want to go the poor route. I like Poe's route of uh, maybe I'll mix up both your routes. Maybe I'll go washed up manager on the last paycheck. Huh? <laughs> that 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 sounds fun because Conte is definitely not Morin. Wa- Bro, fuck you, Paul. I was just gonna go there, bro. I know. I just like he was the first name to come up, no? but then yeah, he's you. You can never call him washed up, though. But yeah, I get where you were going. I get where you were going. And I think he's sort of settled at AS Roma. I don't think yeah. he's moving. Uh, for listeners who didn't hear Paul shout in the background, he said Mourinho <laughs> because I don't think Conte is washed up by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. He's a fucking incredible coach. Uh, let me see who I can. Th- okay. I don't know if this is possible, but I would love to see it because I want to see him manage in the Premier League. Ten Hag from Ajax, if they could get a scalp who's someone huge scalp, someone who is young, who has sort of project football within quotes in terms of can establish a foot because I think they're trying to revamp their youth academy and everything. Imagine someone from Ajax with Eric Ten Hag's sort of resume be able to do that. Uh, that would be a brilliant way to go, though. That's true, Dom. Yeah, it would almost. It's almost mirroring what Man City did. Yeah, right? you're setting up an entirely new philosophy into the club, and then hoping exactly. that the future generations are built on that. <laughs> and then maybe sign Pep a couple years down the line. Yeah, <laughs> why the fuck not? <laughs> okay, I, I think maybe we, I think we got to bite the bullet and talk about sports washing, guys. And uh, but uh, but drum, I think drum roll, re- listeners, we've been waiting for this for a long See, time. Now, but... now it's now it's going to be anticlimactic, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Like okay, like like just to set this up, I think it needs to be said that let let's talk about why this takeover really happened. Like th- this is why it really happened. Right? It happened because of they, I don't think they're looking for investment opportunities. They have, as I said, Facebook, Uber. Exactly. If you're looking for investment opportunities, you're not browsing the catalog of football clubs. You yeah. are definitely not. But I mean. At least not European football clubs, because we see Americans come over not because of sports washing, because no one really knows who the fuck they are outside their country. They are coming over moreover because of the misguided, in my opinion, opinion 
their misguided opinion of making money in European markets through European sports, which I don't think is as exciting as they thought it once was. Okay, um, I mean, it's not. So football, <laughs> so society. <laughs> But I, 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 I promise myself not to start sentences like that anymore. But you know, when you, let's be honest. When it comes to sort of. Shit, man! I I don't want to lose listeners, though. <laughs> but but when it comes to tense geopolitical areas of the world, there are essentially like five places, right? And for other than maybe India, Pakistan has a fucking border, and the North and South Korea DMZ, the demilitarized zone, it's the Middle East, right? Let's let's be completely honest. Since the Arab Spring, since the past, I mean, almost two decades, it has been like. following 911 predating 911 there's been a lot of unnecessary turmoil within the region which we saw almost fucking you know come to a bookend with the whole US and UK pulling out of Afghanistan but let's not go there because that's too depressing to talk about let's talk about public perception and the goal of sports washing so for our listeners who don't know sports washing is essentially no nah, i'm not i'm not we're not trying to be sort of patronizing in the sense that oh you guys don't know it but This is something that just happens in our daily lives that we don't realize is happening because it's been happening for a long time. But it's typically where someone with a checkered past, like we've been talking about so far, with a lot of money, like we've been talking about so far, because those two characteristics typically go hand in hand, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you you get it's not either or, right? It's typically a bundle package. I mean, very rarely can you get just one. I mean, you can get just one, but it's not the money usually. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's it's funny because. these are countries that for years and years and years try to not have a western influence in terms of that's how they govern themselves that's how they run their internal policy which i don't think is a bad thing at all in fact i think if all of us could sort of look into our own culture for betterment that would be great as much as we are being globalized i don't fucking mean walking around in bombay with saffron fucking flags but i mean like you know doing things that are fucking just generally black and white good can we do that guys can we start doing that can we like not waste food i don't know start there <laughs> like i don't even know where to go with this right but there are certain regimes and there are certain people in power who are just binarily worse than others they just they just are and it's almost a matter of fact it's not opinion and a lot of these are who we've talked about people from abu dhabi people from qatar people from saudi arabia and they're typically oligarchs roman abramovich he's not a fucking school math teacher who randomly won the lottery He's a natural gas and oil conglomerate fucking owner and probably one of the most powerful men in Russia which I think is an incredibly scary sentence to say the most powerful man in Russia that's yeah that's generally when your spine starts to tingle but when these sort of entities with an admittedly checkered sort of public perception try to get into these cultural sort of pockets where these things get tinted right like you said no newcastle fan is going to be like oh shit they don't let women drive oh shit they don't let women vote no no newcastle fan is going to say that but these are genuine problems that i mean 
universal adult suffrage equal protection of women's rights these are things that we need to care about it's hard to care about it when it's so close to something that you genuinely arbitrarily care for it's unconditional support for a football club this way of sort of milking the public's happy center almost because sports are an escape and it's the one place that you expect to be unconditionally happy if you're winning or losing that doesn't matter it's the entire ritual of it all it's the getting a drink with your buddies it's everything when that starts getting associated with these sort of negative i don't want to say negative regimes but these regimes that have more bad to them than good it's a little scary because then the perception of them in the public starts to get painted which is where the term sports washing comes from because through sports through culture you're washing it culture washing is also a thing and we've got to start like akshay said we can't stop it i genuinely think we cannot stop it because if you have money you have money and that's about it but i think we need to start being more self aware and realizing that it's happening and not let it alter our perception because there is a way to think about the pif as the owners of newcastle united newcastle united as a football club i i wish them all their luck and i hope they do well not that me wishing them luck matters to them <laughs> but i hope they do well and i'm sure they will with a great you know project in mind but we've got to sort of sever that from the actual regime that is in place in saudi arabia and things that they are accused of doing and the barriers to be able to fairly decide on what we can do to stop them from essentially being a regime of human rights abuse so for me i want consumers of sport to be more self aware of that and to be able to sort of separate those two aspects of it yes they own a football club yes they're doing very well for the football club yes communities like manchester inner city communities in paris all these places are better off for the investment just genuinely they are because there's money coming in and it it spreads its roots from the football club and that's great but we we can't associate that as everything that these guys are doing because what they typically are doing behind curtains is way worse than what they're trying to show the public through the sports washing vehicle so I, i don't know if you guys have any more comments that was sort of a ramble because i didn't know where i was going with it and i knew i was very emotional about it and i had some keywords to say which i think i got across but if the listeners take nothing away from this sports washing equal bad owners still equal maybe good you know <laughs> it's it's i mean money is money <laughs> yeah i mean for me i think it it comes back to what i said it, it, right at the start <laughs> okay i'm going to put it this way don't call newcastle fans idiots for celebrating um a new owner but you can call them idiots for waving the saudi arabian flag because that's <laughs> that that's pretty much where it is yeah Yeah, that's a good way to end it. Oh, you have do you have anything to say my friend? Uh, I'm still going back to the jealousy aspect of it. I can't stop this shit. I'm telling you I'm telling you separate it bro. If I if my podcast co-hosts don't listen my listeners I don't know if they are man. Fuck me. <laughs> But no man. Uh, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean okay, um I'm just happy for the fans. Uh although like I wouldn't go for as far as saying that I mean they deserve it because they were under Mike Ashley cuz there's this great piece on uh, Twitter again like by Tim Stillman like you guys got to read that where he's basically said that no fans deserve whatever they need, like deserve these kind of things because fucking there are like 92 other teams in your like in England football structure as well like who 
who've gone their entire lives without winning shit. So you can't call like you can't just say that like these fans deserve it. But yeah, I'm just okay. Fine, I can be happy for them. But like while separating the fact that I'd rather be in their shoes. That's sweet of you. That's 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 rather sweet of you, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd rather be in their shoes than like say somebody like Darby right now. So yeah. I mean, Darby, where uh, Rooney found out via social media and the news that they were basically fucked. Yeah, that's another end of the spectrum. It's good you brought that up. <clears throat> I think we went through the most rambly one of our podcasts, but that was fun. That was, it was good, bro. That was good. Yeah, it's like a lot of quality to that, and I hope our listeners agree. <laughs> but uh, so that's it for this week, guys. Uh, sadly, we couldn't uh, coordinate well enough to have all four of us on, and I hope going forward we're able to do that so that the listeners get irritated by all of us and don't get you know they don't have voices that they can attach to a face and you know send hate mail to so that would be nice to have some diversity here <laughs> but i hope you guys listened and enjoyed this episode because it's a little close to our hearts in terms of the actual subject matter of what we're talking about we want to wish all newcastle fans a fucking happy weekend guys Get over your hangovers and get back to the football and you're going to have a great fucking season. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I genuinely am. So their first game under the new ownership is against Spurs, I think. So please, please move them. And that's the perfect way to start your uh, new uh, era. I, I completely agree with Pope. When they're shitting on Spurs, they're shitting on Spurs. It's just fun, right? So I hope our listeners also are... Okay, I hope they're not many Spurs fans. But let's be honest... Are there many Spurs fans? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poe is loving this outro. <laughs> okay, anyway, guys, thanks for getting to the end of this incredibly incoherent episode of Punditry on a Pint, where we talk about Newcastle United's proposed and accepted takeover bit. Catch us on Twitter and Instagram. We don't plug that enough. <laughs> See you guys next week.